What is up, guys? You are listening to the Montreal Madness Podcast with your host, Tony Montreal. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to the Montreal Madness Podcast. A little Super Bowl recap here for you today. Uh, Here with me, I have Corey, and then for the first time ever, I have JT Julius, Commissioner of the Dynamo Fantasy League. How's it going, guys? Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. Um, Today was the day that I gave you the championship belt for the Dynamo League, so I had to come over, say hello, give you that, and uh, figured I'd join the pod for today, too. You know, great opportunity. Sometimes you come on my show, so why not come on yours? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for dropping that off. I'll have to uh, show a picture of the belt on uh, our social media pages for everybody to look at. Um, How have you been, Corey? Not too bad. We've been surviving. Yep. All right, so... uh, Chiefs uh, win another Super Bowl again. Three years in the last five, uh, they've won the they've won the chip. Uh, pretty good game. I wouldn't say it's you know a classic or anything. Um, it wasn't Super Bowl forty three or anything like that, but it was a very good game. Um, went into overtime. Chiefs uh, Chiefs win it um, on a pass to Miko Hardman. Uh, he was on the Jets beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. He's the one who caught the game winning pass. Uh, what's your initial thoughts of the game? You know. Pretty much evenly matched throughout the whole game, I feel like. Um, I mean, first half, incredibly boring, yeah. to be honest. Uh, second half, it picked up. Um, personally, I was pulling for the Niners, so I was disappointed with the outcome. Uh, had some money on them, so. But, I mean, Patrick Holmes did what Patrick Holmes does. He rallied his team, got... Uh, Got his team down the field in overtime, scored a nice touchdown, and um had the refs in his back pocket. Always some nice security. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yo, you knew the Chiefs were going to win. You just had that inkling in your mind mm-hmm. that the Chiefs were going to win. Once they got hot and um they were going up against Baltimore and they started playing decent, you were like, these guys are going to – they're just going to win it all. You just had – like I said, you had that feeling. But, yeah, they went out and did it. Mahomes winning his third Super Bowl, third Super Bowl MVP. He's making his way up the ra- uh, the rankings as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. Corey, I got a question for you. Do you really think that the refs helped out Mahomes in this one? Because I thought from a neutral standpoint, like I didn't have any money on it, wasn't really rooting for anybody, that I thought the refs stayed out of the game for the most part. Um, Watching it, I literally saw a compilation online of Chiefs holding uh, calls that weren't <laughs> called. I watched Fred Warner get tackled twice. Nick, I saw that. Uh, Nick Bosa got grabbed around the throat once. He got tackled another time. Like, it was just absurd how many calls I feel were missed. And one of them was in overtime on that Rasheed Rice uh, drag route on third and six where he got the first down. Nick Bosa literally got tackled. Like, or no, that was Fred Warner. Fred Warner blitzed up the middle. Uh, Jarek McKinnon literally tackled him. Yep. Like, that's, that's a 10-yard holding penalty. That's third and sixteen. I mean, that's a whole different ball game at that yeah. point. So. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't share the same sentiment for the refs. I kind of thought that they stayed out of it for the most part. I thought, you know, it was a tight game for the entirety of it. It would have been way more exciting in the if in the first quarter, uh, CMC didn't fumble and Pacheco didn't fumble. I mean, that's seven more points each. So like, the score looks a little bit better at the end of the game. And you know, the narrative might not be well. Oh, well, it was a boring game. It might be like, well, it was a high scoring game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fourteen more points. And the um, over would have hit. Yeah. And the over would have <laughs> over hit, Over just missed. And the over would have hit, too. Um, one thing I do want to note is that I believe the Chiefs got pretty lucky during the game to be able to even have a chance to win this game. 
Did you know that they had five fumbles in the entire game? I didn't even realize that. They, yeah. they had five total fumbles and only lost one, and it was at Pacheco in the first quarter. Yeah. So to be able to fumble the ball five times and lose it <laughs> only once is just pretty absurd, whereas the 49ers fumbled twice and they lost Yeah, where, I mean, McCaffrey doesn't fumble often, loses it, and then uh, on that punt, unluckily hits the guy's right. foot. McLeod tries to pick it up, but it's just bouncing away from incredible, him. Just incredible real play by McLeod to tr- even give it an attempt to go yeah. after Yeah, whenever he went after it first, I'm like, what are you doing? But I was like, yeah. it had to have hit someone. Yeah, and then the replay confirmed that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Another thing that I do want to note about the game is that the the difference between Brock Purdy and Mahomes. Watching the game, you would think that Mahomes played a so much better game than Purdy. But if you look at total QBR for the game, Brock Purdy had a 69.8 rating, while Patrick Mahomes had a 75.8. So he did play better, but not to the extent where it was like such. A, it was like another level. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean, it's only six total QBR more, which like that's like that ESPN stat that's from like zero to 100 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I put a lot of I put a lot of stock into that, and I mean, only having like six more, like you're pretty much even with the guy, right? So I saw something. It was like the best way to describe the game. Uh, or the two quarterbacks dueling, I mean. Brock Purdy, like, Mahomes and Purdy, it was like both of them taking a test in high school, right? Like, Purdy, you know, gets down to the final question. He, like, finishes his test, but there's an extra credit question. He's like, oh, you know, I did good enough on the test. I don't need to do the extra credit, right? Mm -hmm. He gets, like, a 90, all right? Mahomes, he's like, well, I don't think I did that great on the the standard part. I'm going to do the extra credit. Nerd. and he gets his, he he gets his he gets his test from like an eighty eight to like a ninety five because he did the extra credit. That's kind of how the game went. I think I think they both played a really solid game, but Mahomes just did just made a couple more plays, and I think that ended up being the difference. You know, I love the 49ers playing on defense. Uh, they they really didn't blitz that much that much. What they did their front their their front four was phenomenal. Collapsing the pocket. I mean, I think they had three sacks, which is pretty good. But they had pressure on them constantly the whole game. You know, and they didn't make him uh, flush the pocket. They kept them contained for the most part, which is, that's how you stop Mahomes. You don't let him make those spectacular outside-the-pocket plays. They did a phenomenal job of containing him, of pressuring him, of forcing him to, you know, not complete passes, like, down the field. I think he only had one big completion down the field, and that was in the first half, too. I think Hardman again. It was. And uh, that was the same drive that... That, that was uh, uh, Scantling. Scantling, okay. Yeah, and then that, very next play, Pacheco fumbled it. Pacheco fumbled <laughs> oh, exactly, right. exactly. Um, so the 49ers' defense did a phenomenal job. If if the Niners off on, on offense, when they were up 10-0, 10-3, if they got another touchdown in that first half, the game would have been out of reach at that point, and I feel like the 49ers would have rolled. Um, you know, that's just what it gave them all the momentum going in the second half. Chiefs, you know, you know they're going to pass. They have no run game at that point because um, they have to throw. Uh, and I think the, you know, the defensive line, who've been playing great all game, they could just pin their ears back the entirety of the second half. Um it's just they weren't able to capitalize on offense, and, uh, you know, that was the telling point in the game. So that leads me to my next question. Well, uh, just, to, just to touch on the 49ers defense, they did they did play really well. They couldn't stop the run against um, the Lions and the Packers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Packers. Yep. They got called out by their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. They came out, held Pacheco to probably like 40 yards, something like that. It wasn't a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like you said, the defensive line with the pass rush, uh, Nick Bosa held the edge very well. I don't think he cut inside a single time. He just kept he kept the outside leverage. That way, in case my home scrambled to his side, 
he was right in his face and makes Mahomes make a play or mm-hmm. throw it away, which is allowing Mahomes to not scramble a lot is massive to stopping the Chiefs. Yeah. So, so uh, what was the key turning point in the game for you guys? He did pick one specific point in the game. What was the key turning point? I think this was uh, something that hasn't been talked about, and it's Jake Moody's uh, extra point that got blocked. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that, I mean, for me, was huge. Because it forces a touchdown by the Chiefs. It does force a touchdown by the Chiefs, and it's just a, it's a momentum play, too. Like, even though you, it's only one point that doesn't come on the board, the momentum swing in that is just monstrous. So, that was my, that's my big key. Um, for me... Just a, a different one I can think of is probably the 49ers taking the ball in overtime. And then the reports come out that they apparently didn't know the overtime rules. That just blows my mind. I don't even care, though, at that point. How is a professional athlete not know your – like, your coach shouldn't even need to tell you the overtime rules. As an athlete, you should know what the, the rules are to begin with. You don't you don't need your coach or anybody else telling you. You should already know that. That's yeah. a bunch of horseshit. I mean, me, me sitting at home, I knew the, I knew the rule. Like, yeah, I knew exactly. that they changed it and everything. Exactly. And uh, Tony, I'm going to rebuttal with you. As a collegiate baseball player myself, I didn't know all the rules while I was playing the game. <laughs> well, that's your fault. <laughs> but I didn't, did it put me at a disadvantage at, at all times? Maybe. But, like, the coach, sometimes the coaches don't even know the rules. And it's a new rule, too. So it's like there's a lot of First time it's ever it. been enforced. First time it's ever been enforced. Um, I, I just think it's a lack of coaching, to be honest. I do, though. I'm going to go against you, Corey. I do like the fact that the 49ers took the ball, and here's the reason why. Why do you want Mahomes to get the ball twice in overtime? I love the fact that you take the ball in that situation. You, you know, ultimately, you want to score a touchdown there, but you, they scored points. They scored a field goal. What the 49ers need to do is hold the Chiefs to a field goal. Then guess what? Now it's sudden death, and now you just need to score score another field goal, and you and you win the game. But, and you only allow Mahomes on the field once in overtime. I feel like that was the perfect call. But in theory, time. but in theory, Mahomes is only on the field once. Say they go down, score a touchdown. You you have all four downs. You know you have to score. Go for two then. You can go for two and end it because you bettered what they did. So, I mean, that's exactly what I would have done. If I would have scored at Chiefs or 49ers, if you go down and you match the touchdown, go for two. What's, what's what it, it matter? That's what the Chiefs players were saying. They were saying they had their plan that if the 49ers scored first and they scored a touchdown, they were going for two no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you need, you need two yards for the season. I'd take my chance. I If I'm – Definitely the Chiefs. I'm taking my odds Absolutely. on Patrick Mahomes getting me two yards. I know Kyle Shanahan didn't say this, but another reason why you you take the ball there first because your defense was just out on the field. Who you know they gave up that game tying field goal late in the game. There's only a couple seconds left. They were gassed, man. Like you have to give them some sort of a break. I know ultimately they let up the touchdown, but and that's like I just feel like he made the right call there. I know they lost, but I mean, I don't know. You shouldn't knock Shanahan for that. I just feel like knowing. Knowing what you need to do helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, kn- knowing you have all four downs to work with it. Because um, the 49ers, I think they had like a third and eight, third and six or something like that, deep in their own end. They don't get that first down and third down. Fourth penalty down and, because of a penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, what do you do at that point? Do you punt and then the Chiefs, all they need is a field goal? You have to punt it because you're already in field Yeah, exactly. Forward, As for the it. Chiefs, if you're third and 15 – you don't get it. Fourth and fifteen, you you know you have to go for it. There is no punting. I feel yeah. like that's that's the advantage of the second. Go yeah. second. So you know, Chiefs, like I said earlier, the third Super Bowl victory in five years. Um, so where do you guys rank them among the dynasty of the NFL? Obviously, you have the Steelers in the seventies, you have the Forty ers in the eighties, 
the Cowboys in the early 90s, and then you have the 18-year stretch uh, dynasty from the Patriots from 2001 to 2018, where they went to uh, nine Super Bowls with literally 50% and won six of them. Uh, so where do you rank this dynasty among all the dynasties in the NFL? Is it nine or ten that they went to? They went to nine. Nine? Okay. Brady went to ten. Okay. I think it's a type of dynasty that is only comparable at this moment to the New England Patriots dynasty. And for this re- it's for this reason. It's the fact that this Chiefs team has almost reinvented themselves in the last five years. They have been a different team for all three of their Super Bowl wins. The first two, they were this high-powered offensive explosion, right, with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And now you're looking at a team where they don't have that level of explosiveness on offense. They're more smart. Mahomes is more, you know, conservative with his play. Efficient. He's more efficient, but the defense has been built to withstand a lot of blows and to be very good. So that, that change in identity in just over a couple of years is very impressive to me. You could almost argue that with how good the defense was this year, Mahomes was just a game manager. You, yeah, All he had to absolutely. do was not throw the game away, and his defense was going to hold the other team to less than 20 points more often than not. Good point. And absolutely. I mean, if, and if Mahomes own, doesn't score 20 points, he had a bad game. Mm-hmm. So, so that's just what makes it more impressive to me. It's the fact that, yeah, you saw him earlier in his career where he was this big-time gunslinger. And then he can dial it back when he realizes, okay, we have an advantage with the defense. We're going to let the defense win the game, and I'm going to be able to selectively like make plays whenever I feel like we need to. Yeah, like I think that's super impressive. And I, I think you only see that in every other dynasty that you mentioned ex- like with the Patriots. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, because over an 18-year period, obviously. That's your just team, so dominant. Your team identity is going to change over an 18-year period. Like yeah. That's just going to happen. But in a five-year period, I mean, that's pretty insane. I mean, you look, you talk about the Steelers. What were they known for? Steel curtains, man, right? Yeah. 49ers, offense, West, Coast offense. West Coast offense, right? You know, Cowboys. Emmett Smith. Em- yeah, see? <laughs> like, that's their, that was their identity for most of those runs. But, like, what I think the, the mo- more impressive dynasties are the ones that can change their identity throughout the entire period. Now, see, I actually have, the, uh, of all the dynasties, I have – as of right now, Kansas City, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Reed and those guys, I have them ranked third. Uh, I have the Patriots, obviously, number one. I have the Steelers in number two. And I'm not even saying this as a homer. Um, I'm saying this because they are the only team to ever win back-to-back titles twice. Um, no other team has done that in the history of the sport. I have them at number two and the Chiefs at number three. However, though, if the Chiefs win it next year and become the first ever to go back-to-back-to-back, they go from number three, in my opinion, all the way up to number one, just because they would have made history. And, you know, I know Michael Jordan and the Bulls did it um, twice. You know, <laughs> in, you know, twice in basketball. It's been done in hockey before. But football is just a completely different sport. There's way more parity, um, especially now more than ever. Um, so if they can do it back-to-back-to-back in this era, um, in football, um, mind you, they will surpass the, the Patriots in my book and be number one. But that's if they win the whole thing again next year and go back to back to back. Yeah. Um, I think I would just put them above the Steelers just because they – it's been so fast. Like, it once Mahomes took over in his first year, it's just been an upward trajectory. They haven't slowed down. 
have I don't think they've missed an AFC Championship game since he took over. Five for five. Yeah, he's it's just an insane. Even though they have lost two of those AFC Championship games, he still went still to still getting there so consistently is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think there's they're above the Steelers there, but yeah, I think still just behind the Patriots, just because I mean, Patriots beat them, beat them once, and just like. Like uh, Julius said, over 18 years, that's a long time to be very good. So, yeah, that's why I think the Patriots are still just a little bit better. I'm with you. I got the same list as you guys in order. Okay. Now, uh, you know, a lot of talk now, you know, between Brady and Mahomes, you know, has Mahomes caught Brady? Will he ever catch Brady? Where do you rank the two as far as, you know, GOAT status? Patrick Mahomes isn't even number two yet. Joe Montana's still number two. Still got Joe Montana. Joe Montana two. has another Super Bowl. He has, I think, three Super Bowl MVPs, or does he have four? Was he MVP every time? Uh no, three of the four. Three of the four. And um, I saw a thing where in I'm pretty sure it was all four of Joe Montana's Super Bowls, he beat that year's MVP in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That that's an incredible stat itself. <laughs> yeah. Um in Joe Montana, he what? Did he have Cypher, or was it Walsh whenever they were on their Walsh. run? They had Walsh. Joe Walsh. Okay, so I won't go with the coaching thing. But, I mean, I just think different era back then. Mm-hmm. Joe Montana was – he was just different gravy. He made the plays when you needed it. Mm-hmm. Back whenever the quarterback – they were getting the shit beat out of them. Like, you were allowed to go low, go high. You were getting hit way different than Mahomes is getting hit now. Yeah. And for him to have the durability to – lead those those 49er teams so consistently, I think Joe Montana's just a little bit better. And then Tom Brady, he still has four more rings than Mahomes. So, I mean, yeah. right there, that says enough for Brady. Yeah. What do you say, Julius? Being 28 with three rings is pretty insane. Uh, I just don't think you can talk coach status yet. It's just, like, the story's just not done. If they win next year and the three-peat happens, nah. what's your... Nah, still not. Still He's got to get to at least five. I'm gonna dis- five, maybe six. <laughs> I'm gonna di- I'm gonna disagree, Corey. In the in the salary cap era, to be able to win back to back to back while you are taking over twenty five percent of the team's salary cap, is just truly insane to even think about to go win three Super Bowls in a row. Speaking, oh, go ahead. Speaking of that, I just read something the other day where um, Mahomes became one of the. I don't know how you would say the Chiefs or Mahomes or whatever. Um, won the Super Bowl of the yeah the quarterback the highest salary he became like the highest salary quarterback cap hit or whatever you want to say to win a Super Bowl. It was the first one to have over a 20% salary yes, cap hit that's what it was. in the salary cap era at, for, at the quarterback position, and it was over 25%. Yeah. So he blew it out of the water. The this current formula for these Super Bowl teams, at least that it has been lately, is that you get a quarterback on a rookie deal and you uh, build a team around them because it's, it's cheaper to build a team around them than it is to buy a, a good quarterback. But I think that just shows the greatness of what Pat Mahomes is, that he can elevate so many people around him. His weapons outside of Kelsey, I mean, you can say Rasheed Rice was okay. You can see, you can say, Rookie you know, deal. Pacheco, the running Rookie game. Deal. But they have no weapons on the outside, really. No. Uh, Hardman did all right there at the end of the year. But, yeah, <clears throat> uh, Tony wasn't very good. MVS had his drop problems. Uh, Justin Watson doesn't get on the field much. Yeah. Um. I think what helps them with the cap is that they have a bunch of young stars on defense. That's what helps them. Nick Bolton's deals. not getting paid a lot. Yeah, uh, Legereus Sneald, yep. Trent McDuffie, 
Chris Jones is their highest paid guy, and he was on a one-year deal this year. Yep. I mean, they signed Drew Tranquil, who had an outstanding year for him, to like a two-year, like $5 million deal, yeah. not getting paid anything. I mean, I think that goes to sh- um, show how well uh, Spagnola is getting out of that defense. He's a four-time Super Bowl champ now. He's, I mean, up there as one of the greatest DCs of all time just because he's transformed this Chiefs team, like we said about. He was written off for a while, too. Oh, yeah. Well, he was not very good as a head coach, but, I mean, he went back, simplified his game, just focused on defense. He's been outstanding since mm-hmm. the Chiefs picked him up. Just like this Arthur Smith fella, huh? Yeah, <laughs> good God. Um, so that's a perfect segue here. Well, you know what? First, let's get to this here before we get into Arthur Smith and Steelers. Uh, so, obviously – Two best teams in the NFL made the Super Bowl this year. I mean, you can't argue against it, I think. Um, but they did it in different ways. One was a super team with above-average quarterback in the Niners. The other one was an above-average team in the Chiefs overall, but with a superhuman quarterback. If you had to pick between the two, which would you rather have and why? Uh, I think I already made my point uh, before, but I'm going with the super team and the above-average quarterback. I just think it's a more consistent formula. And you have to have a super, truly special quarterback to be able to elevate a team. And you also, like Corey had said, you have to be able to hit on the draft and get super, like, super valuable free agents to come to you on the cheap, uh, which is not easy to do all the time. So I just think it's a better formula to be able to go with the super team and above average quarterback on that rookie deal. You, Corey? Um, Yeah, I can get behind that. Just because if you have a super team – um, you're you're more prepared for injuries, you could say. I also think, on an yeah, average yeah. team with a really good quarterback in in that Super Bowl. Say Travis Kelsey who had an insane second half gets hurt in the first half, never gets a chance to go off in the second half. Whole different ball game, I think, mm-hmm. because he was Kelsey was tearing up that uh, backup linebacker Burks whenever Greenlaw got hurt. So I mean, they saw a gap in the defense and took over. So I think. Like I said, if Kelsey gets hurt, you're not going to see their backup come in and do that. Um, I think just a super team is a lot more balanced and more uh, prepared for injuries. I also think when you have a super team, you're more prepared. Like your win- your championship window is open a lot longer, whereas you need a lot of things to go right whenever you're just re- – you know. You don't have the depth, like Corey said, whenever you just have a superhuman quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we saw the Chiefs be pretty mediocre for Chiefs standards all year. They were played with drops, not so much injuries, but, I mean, conveniently, they hit the playoffs, they stopped dropping the ball. I mean, they could have lost to any team they play in the playoffs, and they would just start dropping the ball like they did all regular season. I mean, they got dominated by the Raiders during Christmas. Yeah, and, like, that was just bad game, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it still happened. Like, the Chiefs had their weaknesses. Yeah. Um, you know, I would honestly, I'm going to go against you guys. I'd rather have the superhuman quarterback and the above average, you know, overall roster. Because a, a superhuman quarterback like Mahomes, like a Josh Allen type quarterback, um, even like a Big Ben back in the day, you can mask so many problems within your team and not have to worry so much about like, oh, we need to have a stud, you know, X player or stud this player or whatever. You can mask so many problems with a superhuman quarterback um, and you know it's a and it's consistent too. You know what I mean? Like you know you have your guy under center. You know, and I just think that you know with Brady and the Patriots, you know they didn't have dominant teams all the time when they won Super Bowls. Um, you know, and the Chiefs just proved it this year again. Uh, I I really think if you have a superhuman quarterback with an above average team like overall like the Chiefs were, uh, it, it's hard to stop it. And we like so we just witnessed it on uh, last Sunday. Um, so like I said, they can mess so many problems, so many deficiencies on your team. 
I would rather go that route um, than doing like the 49ers did with Brock Purdy and this and like the, basically the super team they have all those weapons and stud uh, defensive guys. That's good. We all can't agree on every point. Exactly. So. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad someone played a little devil advocate on that one. 49ers already having turmoil with uh. Did you see the Brandon Ayuk stuff? Mm-hmm. His no. brother came out on Instagram and said, basically said, fuck San Francisco, we're out of here. B.A. to Vegas with yep. the little skull and crossbone thing. So yep. Saying he's going to go to the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Is he a free I mean, agent? Yeah, he used to be a free agent this year. Oh, okay. No, yep. he's not. He's still on his rookie deal. He no, has, I think he used to be a free agent this year. He has two more years on under rookie deal. I don't think so. He, he, he got his, he's on his team uh, rookie contract. I could have swore he was to be out of there this he year. Has, he has one year left, and then they can the team can pick up his fifth, fifth year, year option. And then they can also franchise tag him for two more years. So really he could be stuck there for like three or four <laughs> if they really wanted to. Okay. But you said that was his brother who said that. Yeah, his brother. Okay. So I wouldn't it wasn't put, him. It was his brother. I wouldn't put any freaking stock in that. That's just a family member, a brother, just being – and it feels after yeah. the game. Yeah, I just want to put my stock I di- in I that. disagree. I put a lot of stock into that, especially with Diva wide receivers, man. They always talk like that. Speaking of Diva, um, what do you think about Travis Kelsey pushing his head coach? I understand why he did it. It's just, let's just calm down. You know Reed's going to get you the ball. It's not like they're intentionally not giving their best player the ball. Like, they had it covered. Drake Greenlaw had him uh, clamped down, and conveniently, Greenlaw gets hurt. Travis Kelsey starts going off. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it just – he needed to calm down a little bit. It was going to happen. He was going to get his touches. I think it just shows uh, the relationship that Kelsey and Reed have. It's not your standard uh, coach-player relationship. Like, they're, they're very – you could tell they're very close. Otherwise – that would have been way more catastrophic in the game, the whole grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's not that's not a very typical player coach uh, interaction, and for that to just kind of you know, you can kind of move past that in the moment, and then also you know even if they lose, I still don't think it's that big of a deal to those two guys. I think it's because of their relationship, and it, it's a it's a special one. It's not something that uh, is standard and that people can do a lot but that is something that i think it's just like it just shows who they are so i think it's a total meathead move by kelsey that's all the guy is oh it's party oh, it's fucking, <laughs> oh that pisses me off so much uh like it's just a meathead move like there's just like you don't go up to your boss you know i believe that's shane right <laughs> uh, that would be shane yeah you don't you yeah. know if he pisses you off or whatever you don't go and push your boss do you that's why i said that's why i think if they have a special relationship you don't do, you just don't do that and like, and like there's it's the most watched game of the whole year. You have obviously young, you know, high school athletes, you know, younger kids watching that. And you know, not only does it seem like Kelsey, I mean, I'm not saying you bench Kelsey in that situation. It's a Super Bowl, you don't do it. But to to, to show that that's acceptable behavior and the fact and the fact that they won, uh, in spite of that too, it just shows that oh, you can get away with that bullshit. No, there needs to be repercussions for that. He needs to get fined. Um, he needs to, I think, make a public apology for it. Just because, like I said, you don't want young kids watching that shit and go, oh, that's okay. And you know, on top of that, they won the game, you know? So I think it's a complete bonehead, meat-headed move by Travis Kelsey. Just shows you what type of person he is. Tony, you don't want your to see the kids. Uh, you don't want the kids to see a very high competitive person. It's you can ultra, be highly competitive without competitive. pushing your head coach. You can't, but 
like I said, I think they have such a special connection and such a special relationship that that type of stuff is okay. And you do see that on occasion. That's not the standard, but that's not to say that it's completely in the wrong. There needs to be context to it. I get what you're saying. I just, I just to be able to, to be to be able to be able to find a guy for that is pretty absurd. Did you guys see the uh, the Taylor Swift fans then going after him? They said, "Oh yeah, red flags. they weren't happy." Yeah, red flags. <laughs> red flags was not happy. This is inappropriate behavior for a grown man and all this stuff. It's like. And you know, a lot of people who are saying that have never competed a day in their life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I like, think they, 95% probably. That, that part right, yeah. there is bullshit. That, I mean, that part's bullshit right there. Yeah. I just think it's funny. It is It is kind of funny. Um, all right, so let's get a little Steeler talk here. So a couple weeks ago, Steelers hired uh, Arthur Smith, former Falcons coach, as their new OC now. Um, you know, I know before we came on the show, uh, you had some thoughts on that, JT. So let's start with you. What do you think of the hire? Yeah, so initially... Um, as a fantasy football uh, owner, I, I've been, I was a part of six teams last year, so I very hi- highly invested in the fantasy football uh, scene. Uh, if you follow it at all, you know that Arthur Smith is awful for fantasy football in terms of being a coach. Uh, he absolutely killed the Falcons' offense and all their players in terms of fantasy value last year. And that was my initial reaction whenever he came to Pittsburgh, where I was like, oh, man, he's going to not get our players, our best players the ball, and he's not going to be able to run a competent offense. But after watching a couple of things with him and um, a couple of interviews and kind of just the way that he his philosophy and the way he wants to run this offense, I've started to come around to Arthur Smith's hiring. Uh, I, I believe he's going to be a guy that's going to want to run the ball, which we have two great running backs. Um, and I also believe that he was probably the best offensive coordinator that we could hire that would take on Kenny Pickett as a quarterback. He hasn't fully committed to Pickett, but also it's really hard to be able to bring in a guy like a Cliff Kingsbury or an Eric Biemi who is supposed to be this high-octane, you know, high-paced offensive uh, guru, progressive offensive guru, and you have Kenny Pickett who doesn't seem to be able to do any of that. So I think Arthur Smith was probably one of the best hires that we could get in terms of an offensive coordinator. Uh, I think – I think Kingsbury would have been better just because he worked at the college level for so long. He's used to working with young guys, getting him prepared and everything. And then he had a couple years in the NFL where he worked with uh, Kyler Murray. And he had Kyler Murray playing really well. So I think he would have been a little bit better for Pickett. But um, I think Arthur Smith was a pretty solid hire. Sure, he wasn't a great head coach at Atlanta. But, I mean, that's whenever you got your hands dipped in maybe too many baskets. Whenever he was just an offensive coordinator at Tennessee, had them as, like, the number third ranked offense than the number like fourth ranked offense in back-to-back years mm-hmm. had derrick henry running like a monster had ryan Tannehill looking like borderline mvp player then he had aj brown putting up back-to-back thousand yard seasons with ryan Tannehill throwing in the ball i mean the guy can work an offense i think he'll probably be pretty decent for pittsburgh they got some gaps they need to fill in but i mean i think that he can work well for them i don't get all the arthur smith hate I really don't. His record as an offensive coordinator is nothing but positive. So on surface, what you guys said was, you know, totally, you know, a, a good take. Logical. Yeah, perfectly logical take. Tony coming in with the illogical take right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, the past two years, you know, as anemic as the Steelers' offense has been, um, the last half of the past two years, they've been really good at running the ball. And you want to know why they've been good at running the ball? It's because they went from running exclusively zone running plays and having a zone scheme um, running attack to playing more of a 
uh, power running game um, with, uh, you know, pulling the guards, you know, trap plays, gap plays, and that sort of stuff. And that's how they found success in the last half of the year, the last two years in running the ball. Guess what Arthur Smith does 85% of the time, no matter where he's been at, Tennessee, Atlanta, he runs zone running schemes. Okay, something can't... the Steelers can't do well. They proved that they've been anemic running the ball the first half of the year because they just ran exclusively zone. Then when they switched it up, guess what? They start running the ball a hell of a lot better. Arthur Smith, he exclusively runs zone, and I just don't think it's, uh, from a philosophy standpoint, it isn't a good fit. But that's also zone a zone running scheme under Matt Canada. Zone running scheme is a zone running scheme. Though. Yeah, but still, that's Matt Canada's I, interpretation I di- of it. I disagree. Arthur I'm Smith's yeah. zone run offense is going to be miles different. It's clearly worked for him. But he's had the right he has had the right lineman to do it. I don't think the Steelers line. Well, that's is, why you have right free agency fit. in the draft to work on that. Tony, if you look at the Falcons teams that Arthur Smith has had and the Titans teams that Arthur Smith was the OC of. They have very similar issues to what the Steelers' offense has had lately. They can run the ball, but they cannot pass protect. And that's your big thing, right? I mean, that, yeah. That, that's kind of your underlying point here. That's You don't want to see the same thing that we saw last year. The run the ball a lot, very well, but then not be able to do shit with In your pass. third and longs, you know you're fucked. <laughs> right. Right. I do like the fact that they use a lot of play action, which is something that the Steelers have not done in years. I think they're in the bottom of the league consistently in play action passes. Uh, for all the motion that um that Matt Canada had on offense, didn't do anything with the motion. Where and I will say this that, you know, Arthur Smith does run a lot of motion, but he makes good with that motion. He puts his playmakers in spaces with with those motions um, to put them in open spaces on the field and for the playmakers just to make plays. Um, I do like that aspect. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I just don't feel like it's going to work out in the end as, you know, where my standards are, which is, you know, hey, they need to win a fucking playoff game here. It's been seven fucking years since they've won a damn playoff game. It's about time. They need to. Even even um, uh, Arthur Smith has more playoff, um, more, what uh, what's the word? Playoff recent success. playoff success than Mike Tomlin does. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he went to an AFC Championship game with the Titans. Um, as a one couple, seed. Yeah, as a one seed. Um, won a, you know, a couple playoff games some other years of uh, the Titans. Um, but it's about damn – even Mr. Rooney said it himself during his end-of-the-year presser um, that, hey, you know, we're tired of this. We need to win a damn playoff game. Uh, I hope it works out. Obviously, as a Steeler fan, I hope, they, I hope Arthur Smith and the offense can prove me wrong. I just don't see it as of right now. But – we still have a long ways to go in this season. The season, 2024 season just now started, um, and so the next step now is free agency. Now, the Steelers, as of yesterday or Monday, already cut Trubisky, uh, Chukchukorafor, and the god-awful punter, Presley Harvin. Um, so they're already better with subtraction as of right now. Um, so with that being said, uh, what do you think the Steelers' approaching free agency next month uh, should be? Ryan Tannehill. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, I I'm, I'm with Corey. It's got to be a quarterback. I don't know if Tannehill is specifically the guy, but I've heard also uh, about Russell Wilson coming for the vets minimum, which that's not gonna happen. It, I mean, Russ isn't gonna take a big a big ass pay cut. <laughs> what about Justin Fields? That's been Justin I mean, Fields is not going to the Steelers. On DraftKings, he's like minus twenty, minus one twenty five right now. He's I the just don't favorite. see it. It doesn't make sense. It really just doesn't make sense. 
The only well, reason... what are you going to do? Bring Justin Fields in. You're going to give up, what, a two and a three? Maybe a little bit more for Justin Fields. You bring him in. Say he does good this year. Or say he doesn't. You just gave up a two and a three for a guy you get for one year because he has to get paid next year. I don't know. Khan got a second-round pick for Chase Claypool. He knows how to work the trades, man. So I don't think they would give up a shit ton. They might give up future draft picks. Maybe not this year. Maybe a, maybe a twenty, but, maybe 2025 second-round pick. And then maybe a 2024, you know, fourth or fifth round pick this year. I'm telling you, Khan knows what he's doing as far as trading players. But at the same time, another team will probably come in with a better offer. So even from a financial standpoint, like not even talking about like the value that we would give them to be able to get fields from a financial standpoint, you're getting him next year and he, you're going to owe him $9 million, which, okay, no big deal, right? But if you want to keep him for his fifth year option, it is going to be a $20 million cap hit. And then after that, you can franchise tag and franchise tag and franchise tag. But a $20 million quarterback where you don't even know if he's going to be able to work out, yeah. that's, that alone is super risky whenever you can just go with a guy like Tannehill or Russell Wilson and then draft a guy in the draft. There's is a very deep quarterback uh, class that we have right now. Uh, in this upcoming draft, and I think if you pair that with like an aging veteran, like a, like a, um, I like Tannehill. I like Tannehill personally. I think Tannehill's gonna be the guy. Yeah, I mean he's been linked to the Steelers already. He knows the Arthur Smith offense. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Mean, it'd be re- it'd be real easy for say for in this coming season, Pickett's not panning out. You you're like you know what maybe Pickett's not the guy. We're done with him. Throw Tannehill in there. He knows the offense. I mean, wh- what's gonna be the worst that happens? If you throw Tannehill in instead of Pickett. Yeah. So. Now, outside of quarterback, you know, the Steelers, they still have a lot of holes in their team. So, looking at it on offense, on the offensive line, they need a center and a right tackle. Uh, they, In my opinion, they need a slot receiver. I thought Broderick Jones was right tackle. Or is he going to move to left? His natural position is the left side. Hopefully, Mike Tomlin can pull his head, head out of his ass and just be like, hey, Dan Moore, you're the backup, you're gone. You know, screw leaving Dan Moore in left tackle and keeping Jones at right. You trade it up in the draft to be your blindside franchise left tackle. You put him in there next year, and so that leaves you with a center and your right tackle to fill in the gaps. You need, a, in my opinion, I don't think Calvin Austin, he's more of a gadget guy, a speedster on reverses and screens and stuff. He's not like a Mike Wallace type where, you know, he can burn you down the field and stuff like that. I just think he's one of those gadget type receivers. They need a slot corner. No defensive side. Their defensive line's getting old with Cam Hayward. They still need to fill a couple holes in there. Middle linebacker, they got freaking decimated of injury in the middle <laughs> linebacker. You don't know if any of the Kawan Alexander or Cole Holcomb will even play again. Um, so that leaves you Landon Roberts and nobody else. They need a middle linebacker, too, in the draft. And then you need somebody to play alongside Jerry Porter on the outside. And then you need somebody to play along Minka, too. Um, so they have a lot of holes to fill. Uh, and not and, enough draft picks. And not enough draft picks, yeah. <laughs> So what I think the Steelers need to do for agency is you get either a bona fide center or right tackle for agency, whichever one you don't sign um, in free agency is where you draft in the first round, in the first round. You need a good offensive line in this league. So whatever you don't dra- uh, sign in free agency, you draft in the first round. Um, then I would say if you – then you sign either a middle linebacker or a, or a DB, like maybe um, a Sneed or that um, Johnson – or. Johnson from uh, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson from the Bears. He's going back to the Bears. Probably. He's, he's getting paid. Yeah. But either way, you need to sign a middle linebacker, a DB, and or a safety. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like whatever you don't sign, you 
gotta take in the draft early in the draft. And then you can worry about maybe taking a Jordan Travis in the third or fourth round, something like that. Um, but this free agency period for the Steelers is gonna be key for how their draft um sets up. And it's gonna be interesting too for them because they're what they're negative right now, aren't they? What do you mean? In the cap. Uh yes, but they have so many cuts they can do. A Rob, that's eight million there. They already cut the um Trubisky, which is a nine million dollar cap hit. Shoots, which is another eight, and then Presley Harvin, whatever the hell he makes as a punter. Yeah, I, I think after the cuts, we we come out like twelve, twelve million in space. I'm right. I'm I'm big on this uh, Twitter handle. Um, uh, it's called Steelers Depot. Um, he's actually the guy runs it. He's he's really good with the salary cap and numbers and everything. He says that the Steelers potentially could have roughly anywhere from thirty to forty million by the time free agency starts, which is at the end of March. Um, so I'm not worried about them being like in the negative right now. They're, they're, through cuts and everything like that, they're going to get up to around, I would say, at the minimum $25 million where they can have their shot at taking a big shot at the free agent or getting multiple free agents. So I like where they're at right now as far as um, free agency. It's just whatever they don't sign in free agency, they need to take early in the draft, which it's got, in my opinion, it's got to be offensive line. So, Tony, I know we talked about this a little earlier. Um there's a lot of cornerbacks at the end of that first round of the draft. There's a lot of very good cornerbacks. Very good cornerbacks, too. One that I really enjoy is that white boy from Iowa, Cooper DeGene. He kills two birds with one stone, too. He's a very explosive uh, he, He'd be returner. better off as a safety. That's what a lot of people are saying, but I don't know. I think you would let him ride at cornerback just if, for, just for like the culture. If you want a corner, <laughs> I'm telling you, if you want a corner, I put it in our group chat. Uh, K- K- Kenyon Mitchell out of uh, Toledo. He's an absolute freak. He's like six foot, like two hundred pounds. Runs like a four three. He was that's a, first team All Mac like three years in a that's row. That's the dude with the long ass wingspan, huh? Yeah, he's yeah. got huge wingspan. He's he's an absolute freak athlete. And watched him at the Senior Bowl. I was watching his one on ones. Didn't lose a single rep in one on ones. A literal drill that's built for wide receivers. Didn't lose a single one. Didn't allow a catch, and he's just—he's very good. He's real good with the hips. He can—he knows how to move and turn well. He—I think he's the best corner in the draft, personally. Corey has an inside source that he's good with the hips. Oh. He's good with the hips. <laughs> I've been following the the college players real close for this coming draft. It's a really interesting draft class. So outside of Joey Porter Jr., historically speaking, the Steelers have sucked at drafting cornerbacks, especially early in the draft. I don't know, man. I feel like you take Towers from Oregon as your center. Or Johnson. John, what? Johnson. What the fuck's his name? Powers. John, Jackson, Jackson, Jackson Powers Jackson, Johnson. Yep. Yes. You either get him as your center in the first round, or if you get a center in free agency, which is which, if he's really good, then you draft Mims, the right tackle from uh, from Georgia. Tyler Guyton's been shooting up draft boards as well. Big old. He's he's. I think he's a natural right tackle as well. I just feel like early in, early in the draft, like much like the Eagles do, they draft in the first and second round offensive linemen and defensive linemen, the big boys who can win the trenches. And I feel like, you know, Andy Weidel, they got him from the Eagles um, as the assistant GM to Omar Khan. I, I feel like that's what they're going to do, and that's what they need to do. You need to be big up front. So that way, you know, having a good defensive line and having a good offensive line, along with what I said earlier about, you know, quarterback masking a lot of problems, having a big and good offensive defensive line, mass a lot of problems as well so one of the issues with uh jackson powers johnson 
is I think that's his name, right? Jackson yeah. J- JPJ. Yep. Yeah, JPJ. <laughs> the power Mr. Powerful Johnson. Uh one of the big issues with him is that he is very small and undersized. He's he's only going to be able to play one position in the NFL and that's center and that's due to his height. So if he doesn't pan out at center, it's not like you can kick him to the side. You know? That I mean to be able to use a first round pick on a guy that might not even play in the NFL after three years, that's about as big of a flop as you can get. And it's also known around the NFL that it it takes a while for college centers to get used to the to the NFL game. You're much better off going into the free agency to grab a center. Uh, and I actually have three names here that I think the Steelers should target, and I think that they it, it you could kind of match it up to be able to fit with this zone run scheme that Arthur Smith wants to run. The first name I got on here, Connor Williams, former Dallas Cowboy. He's going to be a really expensive option, so we're going to have to kick some cap on this one. But Pro Football Focus has it, had him as a top 10 center last year. He's an older guy, so he knows what he's doing. Um, and then the other name that I have intriguing on here is Tyler Biadaz. He's a boy from Wisconsin, small guy as well, um, but he's a smart guy. He, he ran more of a bruiser scheme in Wisconsin in the NFL, but he, he's known as a high IQ, high motor guy. Uh, he's really good with pass protection, too. So that's something that he could help out with Kenny Pickett with or, like, another young quarterback that could come in. So uh, those are the two centers that I like. Um, that, that, that's the way that I think the Steelers need to kind of uh, take care of that position. And then you go um, get a cornerback in the first. I don't know. You had Steelers had a chance to get Creed Humphrey where he's a all-pro center for Kansas City now, and they had a chance to draft Tyler Interbaum, who plays in the Ravens, another all-pro center. Look what the Steelers have, and they had a good offensive line in the mid-2000s. Marquise Pouncey, first-round draft pick. Before that, they had Damari Dawson, uh, all-pro center back in the 90s. Then back in the 70s, uh, shit, I forget. I forget um, oh, my God. Mike Webster. They had Mike Webster, a Hall of Fame center um, in the 70s. Like, they're the anchor to your offensive line. Like, the center, like, you mold your offensive line around your center. Steelers have a missing that all-pro, Hall of Fame caliber center. And I don't feel like you get that in free agency. You get that in the draft. That's you not want true. Your franchise, that is totally not you true. You want your franchise center. Totally not true. Yeah, but you're gonna have a tw- you're gonna draft a 21 year old Powers Johnson to be able to lead a, a line full of men. Absolutely not. That's not gonna happen. He's still learning the position himself. He, you want him to be this solid force in the middle of your line and to be able to, to direct everything. He's going to be 21 when the season starts. So was Linderbaum and so was Humphrey. So was Pouncey. Those guys were elite. Those guys were exceptions. Jackson Powers, Johnson, besides his name, is not an exception. Before he had a good senior bowl, it wasn't even a first-round projection. Exactly. And like I said, if he flops, he's so small and so unathletic, you cannot kick him to another position because he just won't be able to to play in the NFL. I think I'm, I'm not a fan of powers johnson besides his name i guess we'll agree to disagree that's fine that's fine <laughs> okay here um i would like to see some powerful johnsons on the field though so i don't know <laughs> no i mean he has for, that for going the, for him for the most part other than center i don't think mill linebacker is a real strong um position in this year's draft but for the most part they can cover about every other position in the draft yep. bunch of good tackles bunch of good cornerbacks safety i mean Hell, if anything, you can move a cornerback to safety. If if you have a cornerback who all the hell they can do is play zone, move him back to safety. <laughs> I mean, shit, we got good snaps from DeMonte Casey last year. Like, he played pretty solid for us. And, you know, he's like, what, 35? What about yeah. the D-line? 
Steelers definitely need a D-lineman. DeMarvin Leal, uh, Leal didn't work out. Like I said, Cam, he's on his – next year's will be his last year or the year after. He's he's about done. Are we forgetting about Keanu Benton? He's only one guy. He is – I think he's going to be a phenomenal defensive lineman um, for Nate, years to come, but they need somebody other than him. Tony, just go through our defensive linemen right now and just start naming guys. Cam Hayward. Good. But he's old. Good. Leal. Our third string. Not great. Okay. Rookie. Go ahead. Keep going. That's it. Okay. What do you... All right. <laughs> That's two out of the three that are good. I don't know. What, what more do you want? Oh, okay, but you're like I said, you only have Cam Hayward for one more year tops, though. You need somebody after him. Then all you have is Benton, and that's it. And and now you don't have a defensive tackle to stop the run game. Because Benton, he's more of a he's he's more of an end than he is a, tack, a nose tackle on a 3-4 base. Throw the bag at Justin Matavica. It would be nice. agency. You draft the big boys in the early rounds, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, but it doesn't always pan out. It doesn't always pan out, especially if the draft class doesn't allow for it. There's only, I think, like one interior defensive lineman projected in the first round. It's not a very deep class this year. Yeah, for defensive linemen. Edge rushers, you got a bunch, but you don't need edge rushers. rushers. Speaking of edge rushers, TJ got screwed out of the defensive player of the year. Um, Award, in my opinion, he even show up, which I don't blame him for not showing up. Um, you brought up PFF a little bit ago. Um, that's basically what won Miles Garrett, the defensive player of the year, was all these bogus PFF pass rush win rate double team bullshit. What's your guys' opinion on that? Yeah, I think anybody uh, with eyes and who understands the game of football can understand that, that the impact that TJ Watt had and to be able to help his team was more significant than Miles Garrett's. Um, even if you just look at team success from a defensive standpoint, which is a pretty, I would think is a pretty big contributor in uh, the past for voters, that Cleveland Browns defense was one of the worst units in the NFL last year. They had some good months, especially earlier in the year, but they were getting exposed later in the year. And that's whenever your best players are supposed to play their best. And Miles Garrett wasn't even doing that. He had one sack in his last seven games, and they're giving up 30-plus points a week. So, not my defensive player of the year. I mean, TJ only lost by four. He expected to lose. Uh, he, he only lost by four votes. He expected to lose. I expected him to lose, but I think anybody who watches football and understands the game realizes what a, what a game wrecker he is and how it, he's been the best defensive player in the league for one the last couple of years. without him starting. If he's not starting, the Steelers are 1-11. That should tell you all you need to know. But, Sounds uh, like you need to work on your defense. <laughs> <laughs> So that brings me to my next question here. I just saw a thing from a Pittsburgh Steeler beat writer. I believe his name is Ron, Ron Cook. Um, might be wrong on that. But regardless, though, brought up a good point. Hypothetically speaking, if you could trade T.J. Watt and you're guaranteed an elite quarterback out of the deal, like, you know, let's say a Josh Allen type, Mahomes type, Herbert type, you know, just a, you know, a really solid elite quarterback, would you make that move? I would say... Seven, you take that every day out of the week, twice on Sunday. I don't know if you'd get like like a straight up, but I mean you could probably get like two ones, which you could use to get That's one. What I'm so, yeah, and then that turns out to be an elite quarterback. If you can guarantee that, would you make that trade? I mean, right now, yeah, because more than likely that elite quarterback's going to be younger than TJ. TJ's what going to be thirty this coming year? Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Uh, so he's almost thirty. How many more years at the top does he have? Exactly. Edge rusher is a tough position. You're getting beat up a lot. Exactly. Very rarely do edge rushers carry on incredible careers into their 
early to mid-30s. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would make sense. I said it last year whenever TJ Watt went out with, like, his hamstring, missed, like, six games. I'm like, you could trade TJ and get a lot for him. I understand he's really good. He basically is the defense. But, I mean... Having an elite edge rusher, an elite quarterback, it's a night and day difference. Your team is way better off with an elite quarterback. Yeah, Chiefs don't have an elite edge rusher, and look what they're doing. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I I think TJ would, for me personally, would definitely be someone you could trade just because edge rusher can be a difference maker, but he's not as big of a difference maker as an elite quarterback is. Yep, 100%. I'm I'm totally in agreement on that. I don't even think anything else needs to be said on it. I just feel, I, I see on Twitter, there's so many stupid fucking biased Steeler kids. Like, oh, that's stupid. No, you don't trade T.J. Watt. Like, oh, I, can't, I just can't stand those fucking people. Yeah, I mean, That's why I brought up the question. I mean, it hasn't really panned out for him, but the Bears trade away Khalil, Khalil Mack worked out for him. They're, they got some picks for him. They weren't doing nothing for Khalil Mack, and they're doing the same without him. Well, I'm Tony, saying that they Tony, got some do you picks fight with those Twitter work. trolls? Huh? Do you fight with those Twitter trolls? Sometimes. If I'm in one of my moods, I will. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Lately, I haven't been, because I just don't give a shit anymore, really. Um, but yeah, I do get enough. You little... give a shit enough to bring it up on your podcast, yes. and that's what I like. Yes, the exactly. Pet- the pettiness, not to say it to their <laughs> face, but say it behind their backs. <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's see here. Um, all right, what is your way-too-early top ten teams next year both like both conferences included okay. I'll, I'll have to make a list real yeah, quick, I, I just got, so i can think for sure i got mine here i got chiefs 49ers we just saw both those teams play and then do you want it in order uh yeah yeah okay and then next i got ravens lions bills Bengals, dolphins packers cowboys eagles in that order i'll okay. let you go tony while i work i i was contemplating putting the Texans up there, but then I saw that they have 30 players that are going to be free agents. Who's that? The Texans. Oh, yeah, and the Texans are still just really young. I don't really trust them yet. Sophomore slump's a real thing. It could be. It could have been a fluky season yeah. with, with a really good like quarterback just having like a really good year. Yeah, I mean, defenses, the, the film's out on C.J. Stroud now. You know how to play against him now. It, it's, if he puts up the same numbers next year, I'd be very surprised. Yeah. Now, I would probably go Kansas City, number one, San Francisco, number two. Uh-huh. I have the Bills at number three. A, hel- a healthy Bills squad, they had a lot of injuries last year. If Milano and Trey White weren't hurt, I feel like they beat the Chiefs, and I feel like you're, they're the Super Bowl champions this year if they weren't decimated with injuries on defense. Dude, that Ravens team was freaking insane. They were so good, like, all year. And they're not losing a lot. And they're not losing. They're losing Matabuke, but, I mean, very they could probably bring him back. Yeah. I'm not that high on Lamar. I'm not that high. He okay. should have won MVP. Josh Allen had – this is his fourth straight 40-touchdown season, like passing and rushing. To me, that he should have won your MVP award, and he didn't, um, just because everybody's labeled him as a turnover machine. And, yeah, in the regular season, does he turn the ball over? Yeah, because that's what gunslingers do. You look at Brett Favre. He threw a tons of picks in his prime. Guess what? He won three straight MVPs, throwing 15, 20 picks a season. Um, Tony, I got a question for you. Do you think – that the Bills need to incorporate a strategy that the Chiefs did and trade away his best wide receiver. Yeah, Diggs overrated. Well, I'm just saying it from a point where you saw what it did to Patrick Mahomes. It elevated him as a game manager and as a quarterback to be able to play, you know, that explosive style and then also more conservative and game manager style, but at a very elite level. 
Do you think Josh Allen has the capability to make that same jump? And to be fair, the Bills were playing their best ball whenever Stephon Diggs was putting up dud after dud. Exactly. They turned into that non... They, they turned into what you just said in the last half of the year under Joe Brady as offensive coordinator. I feel like that would be perfect. Let James Cook. So Dude I'm... was fucking... He was on a heater for weeks. Let James Cook. So I have the Bills number three. I've seen Derrick Henry being linked to the Bills, which would That's... be super interesting, especially if they go run heavy. Yeah. It would. Um, but Henry's just old. That's the I have... Yeah, but you pair him with James Cook, and that's like that's pretty insane. Yeah. You only have to play both of them 50% of the snaps yeah. each, and they're both getting like, what, 10, 12 touches? Continue. Okay. <laughs> um, I have the Lions at number four. I have uh, the Bengals at number five with a healthy squad. I'm not talking about, you know, um, Browning as quarterback, but healthy Joe Burrow and everything. Number five. The Ravens mean after them at number six. Uh, number seven, um, I have uh, the Rams, especially with, uh, oh, my God, who was the running back who was a stud in fantasy this Kieran year? Williams. Kieran Williams. Um, healthy Matthew Stafford. Hopefully a healthy Cooper Cup the whole year. Puka. An emerging Puka Nakua. Um, I think they're right They're right there. Um, at number seven, I have the Cowboys. Yes, I know they can't win a playoff game, but they are still a pretty good team. I'd have them at number seven. At number eight, I'd have the Texans with C.J. Stroud. At number nine, I would have the Packers. And then at number 10, just like you, I would have the Eagles as well. I think you get more than 10 teams. <laughs> you said some teams I completely forgot existed, so I need to edit my list real quick. <laughs> Hang on, let me think of it. Okay. I, I feel like your list was way longer than 10. Someone's going to have to check that. Whenever All right, fact check me. I'm done. Whenever someone listens to it, first person that listens, I need to know. Because I'm pretty sure you said seven twice for two different teams. Okay, well then if that's the case and the Eagles are out, they're, they're number 11. They're number 11. Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, my top 10 makeshift. Uh, 49ers at one. I think 49ers just really well built. That's what the odds makers say. And then they ask Mahomes a question. He just kind of smirked and laughed. Uh, <laughs> I like, uh, like 49ers. Uh, then I have Ravens at two. Ravens just, I think if. If they redo their playoff game against the Chiefs, the Ravens are winning that game probably eight out of ten times. Mm-hmm. I think they're just the better team, just mm-hmm. didn't have the best game. Offensive the coordinator was an idiot. Yeah. Like, I only mean, ran the they, ball the running backs nine yeah. times the whole game. They they waited to till the most important game of the season to play their worst game. Mm-hmm. They, against the Lions, who are a really good team, beat the piss out of them. Dolphins, supposed to be a good team, beat the piss out of them. 49ers, beat the piss out of them. They were beating high-quality teams. They just, unlucky day. You could say. Another thing that I want to bring about the about the Ravens, that was their first year under new offensive coordinator Todd yeah, Monken. It's only going to get better. It's in only going to get yeah. better. Only going to get better. Uh, Chiefs sit three, then Lions four. I think Dan Campbell's going to have the boys rolling again. They brought back Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn. Massive, so I mean, massive. Yeah, huge. Uh, Bills at five. Cowboys six. Ooh, got the Browns at seven. I, I, I trust in Kevin Stefanski. I trust in the defense. I think they'll be okay. I you think... trust in Deshaun Watson? Maybe. I, Deshaun Watson won him some games. He can't. He led a massive comeback. and they Maybe he has a masseuse on call every game. I don't even think you need to trust Deshaun Watson. I think you can trust everyone else. They'll have Nick Chubb back. David Njoku. Well... He'll be back. He'll be back. They He's already say it wasn't a current injury, yeah. which is good for him. He tore his ACL, MCL, PCL. Which he already did at college, too. Yeah. All not the first time. All, not his first time. <laughs> all, all, all of the collateral ligaments. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Yeah. For all, can I get a fact check for all my you missed medicals? One. 
there's ACPC, MC, and there was LC. A... Yeah, yeah, he did that one too. Oh, he did all of them. <laughs> they were all gone. <laughs> um, yeah, Browns at seven, Rams at eight. Okay. I, I I like the Rams. I saw a rumor the other day that the Rams could be in pursuit of a Tua because mm. he's not signed. He's not signed to a long term contract by the Dolphins. So I mean, hey, Matt Stafford's aging. You could go after someone like Tua, have him sling it to uh, Cup and Nakua instead of Hill and Waddle. Do you think Mc... Do you think McVeigh just wants like a left-handed Jared Goff though? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 decided that Jared Goff was too dumb to run his offense, so he shipped him off. Like, do you think that Tua would be the same way for him? It's possible. I mean, personally, I don't believe in Tua, but this just I I, 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 don't, I don't either. But I just I think it'd be interesting. That's why I kept the Dolphins off my list. <laughs> uh, Bang was at nine, just because, like you said, if they're healthy, I think they're still really good. Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. Only one besides Tom Brady to beat the Chiefs like, yeah. in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, and number 10, we're riding with the Chargers. <laughs> they, have a, they have a good roster. Jim Harbaugh, I think he can turn them around. I think I'm not expecting the world from him this year because he still has to get the lineup around everything. Next year's the, the big year for him, I believe. How excited are you going to be whenever they draft uh, Brock Bowers? I don't know if they will. They're drafting though. JJ McCarthy. What are you talking you're about? Gonna, you're you're <laughs> gonna be so stoked. You're gonna be like, this team is gonna score 45 points, but we're gonna give up 47. No, <laughs> that's why Hardball's there to fix the defense a little bit. Um, Those Charger games are gonna be so exciting. Probably, it's probably. gonna be Brandon Staley 2.0. I hope to God not. <laughs> Bold take here. Chargers are winning the AFC West next year. I'm, I'm not saying Jim Harbaugh said it's happening. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to miss the playoff. They'll, they'll still make it the wild card round, and they'll probably make the AFC Championship game again. I'm just saying they'll be doing it as a wild card spot this year. Bold hey. take of the year, Chargers win the AFC, hey. AFC West. It's it's fun to be a Charger fan right now. Everything's looking up. We, Must I, be nice. Must we, be nice. Like I told you uh, whenever we were golfing this past weekend, the Chargers just <laughs> announced on Saturday that they hired a new, I think believe it was a defensive backs coach, that they took from Michigan. That's the fifth coach that they've taken from Michigan. <laughs> Harbaugh is just bringing everyone with him, and I love it. I'm curious how it plays out with uh, Harbaugh's goofy personality in the NFL. I wonder if that's if that's going to goofy with the 49ers. Right. Do a Super Bowl with Colin freaking Kaepernick. Yeah, I think he's more. He's older. He's a little more senile. He's letting it. <laughs> letting it show. He's letting it show a little bit more. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it affects him positively. Maybe negatively. Who knows? Do you think there's any way like the NCAA? Do they have the power to, like, you know, say, hey, the NFL, we're, we were going to suspend him and he left. You don't do anything? Like, the, do they have that the power? The NCAA has think. no power to do anything. And once you realize that, that's whenever you can understand why that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be the same conference in, like, less than five years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, because the sanctions would be against Michigan. The university as a whole was, yeah. quote-unquote, cheating. Mm-hmm. Not Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh wasn't the one at the game scouting. He didn't even know about it, apparently. So how can you come back on Jim Harbaugh? Oh, he knew that shit. A legend. <laughs> Maybe that's a big reason why all those coaches are leaving for the NFL. So never know. Because they, they don't have to answer those questions for the NCAA anymore. Yeah, I mean, because so far he brought, what, Harbaugh left. He brought Jesse Menner to be the D.C. He brought their, like, strength and conditioning coach. Brought in a linebacker coach, I believe. Or, no, defensive back coach, I think it was. They hired Navarro Bowman as a linebacker coach. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Went to the Super Bowl. 
Yep, went to the Super Bowl with, uh, under Harbaugh's coaching. Yeah, so, that's I mean, right. They're they're stacking them up. It'll be interesting. Uh, You're going to see the talent on paper get realized in the real result. This, this coming you can only day. hope because I mean they've they've had a really good roster for years. They just haven't had the right man at the helm. I if they bring in Saquon Barkley, I would I'll cream. <laughs> I will cream, dude. That that's like Harbaugh's number one target. I think he'd be so good. Why wouldn't you just bring in? Um, oh my God, what's his name? The running uh, Blake Corum. Why would you just bring him? You can in draft him. You can draft him late. Exactly. So why would you? Why would you want to spend the money on a Dude, running back? I, there's a. There's only one football man. There's only one football. How many? They yeah. got so many options there. If you bring in Saquon, that's a lot. Uh, Mike Williams is probably gone. No shot. He gets injured too much, though, man. Mike Williams is probably gone. Keep Keenan Allen. Mike Williams gone. Josh Palmer's on a young Quinn, contract. Quentin Johnston. Quentin Johnston. I mean, Bro- he can only get better. He was that yeah. bad. He can only get better. Yep. Brock Bowers. I mean, yeah. I Brock Bowers to see is coming him. in. Bowers, or they've been up. Um, I've seen a couple mock drafts where they take that Roma Dunze out of Washington. He's really good. He's so. good. Mm-hmm. He's good. Yeah, I mean, I'd, whoever they draft, I don't think they can really mess it up. Brock Bowers is literally going to be white Antonio Gates. <laughs> who got snubbed for the Hall of Fame, might I Isn't add. that crazy? I, I hate that. Hinesburg gets snubbed every year, too. <clears throat> okay, but Antonio Gates is second all-time in tight ends for receiving yards and first all-time for touchdowns. Yeah. What the hell more is he supposed to do in his position? Hinesburg literally changed the game for, for what a wide receiver can be. Like, he was a literal game changer. I would I would also agree that Antonio Gates also changed the, yeah. the tight they, end position. Right, so they both should be in. He was, a, I mean, be. he was a part of that group of tight ends, like the Tony Gonzalez and um, oh, uh, Clark from Dallas, Dallas, Dallas Clark, Dallas Clark from, from Colts, Indianapolis. Yeah, from you, even, you could even say like Todd Heap to an extent, and like Keith Miller. Those guys that yeah. could do both. They could block yeah. and they can be elite receiving options. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Antonio Gates not even being a football player in college, becoming one of the greatest tight ends of all time is insane. Like. Mm-hmm. All right, so, I mean, obviously you're riding high with the uh, Chargers right now. Obviously. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of teams, I think, that sit right on that 10 spot, too. I mean, Dolphins, Jets, I think they're, I think they're poised for a good year. Healthy Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall only gets better. They work on the offensive line. If the defense plays anything like they did this past year, the Jets are going to be a good team. That division is just too... It's, it's a really good too it's really good for me it's too good for me i i think the jets have a hard time meshing personally personally but aaron Rodgers. but it's aaron Rodgers. what four-time mvp talk about talk about superhuman quarterback what is he gonna be 41 i think yeah i think he might Four, be 41 40, this coming 41 year. i think he just turned 40. there's your superhuman quarterback tony yeah <laughs> so uh we'll wrap it up on this how much longer is it gonna take for the Steelers to get back to at least winning the division, winning playoff games. How much longer do we have to wait before we see this happen, realistically speaking? I mean, you can win a playoff game any year. Winning the division is going to be tough. Because, I mean, you're in division with Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, two arguably top five quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah, that, That's super tough, especially whenever you don't have one right now. Sure, you can you could trade up in the draft this year, it's not going to happen, and take a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. They don't pan out. You just wasted your next three first-round picks. Like, you don't hit on quarterbacks often. The Ravens and Bengals have seemed to have hit. How long is it going to take for the Steelers to hit? It's it's probably going to be a while. Uh, If you ask me, they won't win another playoff game and be really successful like the standards that should be for Pittsburgh until Mike Tomlin's gone. I'm telling you right now, 
they will not win another playoff game with Mike Tomlin as the head coach. Whether it be next year he leaves, or it might be another five years from now, then he leaves, or whatever. But they will not win another playoff game until that fucking bastard is gone. <laughs> Let it fly. Yeah, baby. Let it fly. Let it fly. Tell me how you really feel, Tony. <laughs> I, uh, I'm with Corey. I think it really just comes down to a quarterback. Um, and also just kind of waiting it out with Burrow and Lamar, <laughs> to be honest. Like, it's... you just got to wait for them to leave the division or find a quarterback that can stack up with them. I mean, that's pretty much all it's got to it's got to be. The other thing, too, and I, I want to piggyback off your point with Tomlin, um, both the Bengals and the Ravens have this sort of system in place for how that they, they want their organizations to be run and how their teams want to play football. That seems to work really well for them. I don't think the Steelers have that same uh, identity. I think they're always trying to uh, they're trying to find their system that, that works right now. And I think the first step is that uh, is to find the system that they want to run and that they know that will be successful, and then you get to find your quarterback to run that thing to perfection. And I think that's also just because they're kind of in a limbo right now. They they were super run heavy, and then Ben Ben took over, showed hey you can rely on me. So they became real pass heavy. Now they're kind of still they want to be pass heavy, but they, you can't rely on Kenny Pickett the way you relied on Ben. So yeah. you can't be real pass heavy. So you have to transition maybe back to run heavy, and it's just you're kind of in a middling ground right now. Which, to your guys' point, we were talking about Arthur Smith. You know, that's what they want to do is run the ball and be a top five uh, uh, running team, which, you know, I get, you know, that aspect um, of the hire there because um, that's what they want their identity to be right now, which, um, uh, you know, you want with a crappy quarterback like Pickett or whoever, like an older quarterback, if you get Tannehill or Wilson or, you know, or whoever in free agency, um, you want that running game to be the focal point to take all that pressure off. Um, if you ask me, they need to build a team first like they did back in 2003 before they got Big Ben because they had the Super Bowl team around him. They just needed the quarterback, and look what happened. They had a mini dynasty there from 2004 to 2010 with uh, three AFC championship appearances, um, uh, three Super Bowl appearances, and two Super Bowl victories. And they did that with four-minute teams first and then putting your quarterback as the final piece. Um, I feel like that's what they're doing right now. They need to continue doing it. Um, it just it's it's going to be it a little bit before time. they find that quarterback. But I I still I just Tomlin's running his course in Pittsburgh. I'm I'm tired of seeing that sob on the field still wearing the black and gold. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's time. The window's closing, Tony. It's already fucking closed. They need to open up the fucking window. The window's closing. That defense is getting older by the year. Which is uh, why you should trade a guy like T.J. Watt, where yeah. I know fans, oh my god, no, you don't do that. But <laughs> if you want to see success in the future, not look at right now, that's what you got to do. That just seems insane. It does seem insane, but it's not in reality. I don't think it'll happen, just because of the law. Yeah, I know thing. it won't happen, but that's what <clears throat> should happen. But Hey, I, I agree. I agree with you. Alright, you guys want to talk about anything else before we wrap it up here have anything on your mind um i do want to talk about there was a time whenever uh on this podcast where tony went silent for about like five ten seconds and it's because i put my hand on his kneecap he got a little nervous so uh if you guys can figure out like time <laughs> time stamp it and send it to tony uh i want to see if you guys can guess where i when i where and when <laughs> i did it so 
I thought I said something wrong, and I'm thinking, like, what did I say there? No, no, no. It was just me <laughs> messing with you. You did a good job. You yeah, good job. yeah. I had to. I had to. You, he was blushing, too. You guys couldn't see it. Yeah. Face is all red. Or you have anything to add? Anything on your mind before we wrap it up here? Nah, not a whole lot. Excited for the combine in like two weeks. Excited for the draft and free oh, agency. Combine. Can't wait. I'm in a ton of dynasty uh, leagues and like combine season. Like that's whenever everything just like starts coming together. Especially for those rookie mock drafts, man. I'm so pumped for it. Uh, I've been watching mock drafts for like months now. <laughs> so in a typical dynasty league, how long do you run it before like, all right, you reset the league and you redraft like you would normally? So it really depends on the type of dynasty league that you run. Um, some leagues you don't ever reset. I would say in theory they're built to last forever. You really? just you just yeah. go forever. Yep, yeah. And uh, there's there's other leagues. I think they're, they're not called dynasty leagues. It's it's like a subsection of it. They're called legacy leagues, okay. where they'll last like fifteen to twenty years, and then you do a full reset, basically. Um, I kind of like that format too because you know it's like a whole generation, and then you yeah. reset for the next generation. Basically, yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool, but uh, the two leagues that dynasty leagues that I'm in are are not those type of leagues. I, I keep these guys forever. Yeah, until they retire or or die or I release them from my roster. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't wait to be the back to back champ in uh, dynasty. All right, <laughs> let's 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 uh, not get ahead of ourselves here. We got we got two we got both champs. Dynamo League champs here on the couch right now. Yep, you were the OG winner last year, yeah, and then this yeah. year it was me. Came out of nowhere. You were the favorite pretty much all year this year, and uh, you you won it. Number one seed took home the chip. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the Dynamo League anymore? Um, eh, no. I, I won. That's all you need to know. <laughs> can I plug my show? Sure. <laughs> I do a Dynamo show for the Dynamo League here. You're going to get re weekly recaps for every matchup in the league uh follow me on twitch at uh twitch.tv slash j-j-t-t-h-r-e-e you can come in tune into the show every wednesday at five o'clock i'll have t i'll have a ton of uh guests on i'll sometimes bring on the montreal madness man himself i'll sometimes bring on Corey and a couple other special guests too so the wami shows his appearance yeah again. yeah you kept stealing the wami from me i know this year yeah, we got to figure that out. We got to figure out a better <laughs> schedule for that. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up here. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out. I feel like this is a very good podcast. You're very informative. We had some good debates here. Nice mm -hmm. flow to it. Uh, hopefully, you'll be back on here. Um, yeah. As, uh, you know, free agency comes up, draft comes up. Love to have you back on. Um, Corey, as always, you know, I love you having on here. You're always insightful. Not being a Steeler fan, so you get that outside perspective. And um, So, I love that and everything. Um Tony, I will be back if you keep making those pizza burgers for dinner. Oh, I definitely will then. <laughs> I definitely will. All righty, everybody. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Montreal Magic.